Chapter 39 of The Pharaoh and the Priests. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines. The Pharaoh and the Priest by Boleslaw Cruz. Translated by Jeremiah Curtin. Chapter 39 The Priestess Brought Little Happiness to the Viceroy. When he came the first time to visit her in the villa, occupied recently by Sarah, he thought, I shall be met with delight now and gratitude. Meanwhile, Kama received him almost with anger. What is this? cried she. A half day has passed, and that wretched Jewess is restored to thy favor. Does she not dwell in the servant's house? asked the prince. But my steward said that she will wash my feet no longer. When the prince heard this, a feeling of disgust seized him. "'Thou art not satisfied, I see,' said he. "'I shall not be satisfied till I humiliate that Jewess,' cried Kama, "'till she, by serving me and kneeling at my feet, "'forgets that she was once thy first woman and the mistress of this villa. "'I shall not be satisfied till my servants cease to look at me with fear, "'and without confidence, and on her with compassion.' The Phoenician woman was less and less pleasing to Rameses. Kama, said he, consider what I tell thee. If a servant were to kick in the teeth a female dog that was suckling its young, I should hunt that servant out of this villa. Thou hast struck with thy foot between the eyes a woman and a mother. In Egypt mother is a great word. A good Egyptian reverences three things beyond all others the gods, the pharaoh, and his own mother. Oh, woe to me, cried Kama, throwing herself on the couch. Here is my reward, wretched woman, for denying my goddess. One week ago men placed flowers at my feet and burned incense before me, but today the prince walked out of the chamber quietly and saw the priestess again only after some days had passed, but she was still in evil humor. I implore thee, Lord, cried she, think a little more of me. My servants even begin to contemn me. The warriors look at me with a frown, and I am afraid that someone in the kitchen may poison the food prepared for me. I was occupied with the army, so I could not visit thee, replied the viceroy. That is untrue, answered Kama in anger. Yesterday thou wert outside the entrance to this house, and then thou didst go to the servant's house, where dwells the Jewess? Thou didst this to show. Enough, interrupted the prince. I was neither here nor at the servant's house. If it seemed to thee that thou wert looking at me, that means that thy lover, that worthless Greek, not only has not left Egypt, but even dares to wander through my garden. The Phoenician woman heard him with fright. Oh, Astaroth, cried she suddenly, save me, hide me, O earth, for if that wretch Lycon returns, mighty misfortune is threatening me. The prince laughed, but he had not patience to listen to the complaints of the ex-priestess. Be at rest, said he, when going, and wonder not if after some days men bring in thy Lycon bound like a jackal. That insolent ruffian has worn out my patience. On returning to his palace, the prince summoned Hiram and the chief of police in Pibast. He told them that Lycon, the Greek with a face resembling his, was prowling around among the palaces, and he gave command to seize him. 
Hiram swore that if Phoenicians helped the police, the Greek would be taken. But the chief shook his head. Dost doubt? asked the prince. Yes, lord, in Pi Bast dwell many pious Asiatics who think the priestess worthy of death because she deserted the altar. If this Greek has bound himself to kill Kama, they will help him. They will conceal the man and facilitate flight for him. What is thy answer to this? asked the heir of Hiram. The worthy master of the palace speaks wisely, replied the old Phoenician. But ye have freed Kama from the curse. I guarantee that Phoenicians will not touch Kama and will pursue the Greek. But what is to be done with the other adherents of Astaroth? I make bold to think, said the chief, that nothing threatens this woman at present. If she had courage, we might employ her to decoy the Greek and seize him here in thy palaces, O Erpater. Then go to her, said the prince, and lay before her whatever plan thou mayest think out, and if thou seize the man, I will give thee ten talents. When the heir left them, Hiram said to the chief, dignitary i am aware that thou knowest both kinds of writing and that the wisdom of priests is not strange to thee when thou hast the wish thou art able to hear through walls and see things in darkness for this reason thou knowest the thoughts of the man who works with a bucket the laborer the artisan who takes sandals to market the great lord who in the escort of his servants feels as safe as a child on the bosom of its mother thou speakest truth replied the official the gods have given me a wonderful gift of clear insight that is it thanks to thy gifts thou hast guessed beyond doubt that the temple of astaroth will appoint to thee twenty talents if thou seize that wretch who dares assume the appearance of the prince our viceroy besides in every case the temple offers thee ten talents if news of the likeness of the wretched lycon to the heir is not reported throughout egypt for it is offensive and improper that an ordinary mortal should recall by his features a personage descended from divinity therefore let not thou which thou hearest of the wretched lycon go beyond our own hearts nor any word touching our chase after that godless outcast i understand replied the official it may even happen that such a criminal may lose his life before we can give him to the court thou hast said it replied hiram pressing his hand and every help asked by thee of phoenicians will be furnished they parted like two friends who were hunting a wild beast and knew that the problem was not that their spear should strike but that the beast should drop in its tracks and not go into other hands after some days rameses visited kama again but found her in a state touching on insanity she hid herself in the darkest room of the villa she was hungry her hair was not dressed and she was even unwashed she gave the most contradictory commands to her servants at one time she ordered all to come to her at another she sent all away in the night she summoned the guard of warriors and fled to the highest chamber soon after crying out that they wished to kill her in view of these actions all desire vanished from the prince's soul and there remained simply a feeling of great trouble he seized his head when the steward of the palace and the officer told him of these wonders and he whispered indeed i did badly in taking that woman from her goddess for the goddess alone could endure her caprices with patience 
he went however to kama and found her emaciated broken and trembling woe to me cried she there are none around me but enemies my tire-woman wishes to poison me my hairdresser to give me some dreadful disease the warriors are waiting an opportunity to bury swords and spears in my bosom i am sure that instead of food they prepare for me magic herbs in the kitchen all are rising up to destroy me kama interrupted the prince call me not by that name whispered she it will bring me misfortune but how do these ideas come to thee how dost thou think that in the daytime i do not see strange people who appear at the palace and banish before i can call in my servants and in the night do i not hear people outside the wall whispering it seems so to thee cursed cursed cried kama weeping ye all say that it seems to me but the day before yesterday some criminal hand threw into my chamber a veil which i wore half a day before i saw that it was not mine and that i had never worn a veil like it where is that veil inquired the prince now alarmed i burned it but i showed it first to my servants if not thine even what harm could come of it nothing yet but had i kept that rag in the house two days longer i should have been poisoned or caught some incurable disorder i know asiatics and their methods wearied and irritated the prince left her at the earliest in spite of entreaties to stay when he asked the servants about that veil the tire-woman declared that it was not one of kama's some person had thrown it into the chamber the prince commanded to double the watch at the villa and around it and returned in desperation to his dwelling never should i have believed said he that a single weak woman could bring so much trouble four freshly caught hyenas are not so restless as that kama at his palace the prince found tutmosis who had just returned from memphis and had barely taken time to bathe and dress after the journey what hast thou to say inquired the prince of his favorite divining that he had not brought pleasant tidings hast thou seen his holiness i saw the sun-god of egypt and this is what he said to me speak hurried rameses thus spoke our lord answered tutmosis crossing his arms on his breast for four-and-thirty years have i directed the weighty car of egypt and i am so wearied that i yearn to join my mighty forefathers who dwell now in the western kingdom soon i shall leave this earth and then my son rameses will sit on the throne and do with the state what wisdom points out to him did my holy father speak thus those are his words repeated faithfully a number of times the lord spoke explicitly saying that he would leave no command to thee so that thou mightest govern egypt as thy wishes indicate o oh, holy one is his illness really serious why did he not summon me asked the prince in sorrow thou must be here for thou mayest be of service in this part of egypt but the treaty with assyria it is concluded in this sense that assyria may wage war on the east and north without hindrance from egypt but the question of phoenicia remains in abeyance till thou art the pharaoh o oh, blessed o oh, holy ruler from what a dreadful heritage thou hast saved me so phoenicia remains in abeyance continued tutmosis but still there is one bad thing 
his holiness to show assyria that he will not hinder her in the war against northern peoples has commanded to decrease our army by twenty thousand mercenaries what dost thou tell me cried the heir astounded tutmosis shook his head in sign of sorrow i speak the truth and four libyan regiments are now disbanded but this is madness almost howled the heir wringing his hands why have we so weakened ourselves and whither will those disbanded men go they have gone to the libyan desert already and will either attack the libyans which will cause us trouble or will join them and both will attack then our western border i have heard nothing of this what did they do and when did they do it no news reached us cried rameses the disbanded troops went to the desert from memphis and herhor forbade to mention this news to any person do neither mefres nor mentezufus know of this matter they know they know and i do not the prince grew calm on a sudden but he was pale and on his young face was depicted terrible hatred he seized both hands of his favorite pressed them firmly and whispered hear me by the sacred heads of my father and mother by the memory of rameses the great by all the gods if there are any i swear that during my rule if the priests will not bow down before me i will crush them tutmosis listened in alarm i or they finished the prince egypt cannot have two lords formerly it had only one the pharaoh added tutmosis then thou wilt be loyal to me i all the nobles and the army i swear to thee enough concluded rameses let them discharge the mercenary regiments let them sign treaties let them hide before me like bats and let them deceive us all but the time will come and now tutmosis rest after the journey be with me at the feast this evening those people have so bound me that i can only amuse myself then let me amuse myself but in time i will show them who the ruler of egypt is they or i from that day feasts began again the prince as if ashamed to meet the army was not present at drills still his palace was swarming with nobles officers jugglers and singers while at night great orgies took place at which the sound of harps mingled with the drunken shouts of guests and the spasmodic laughter of women rameses invited kama to one of these feasts but she refused the prince was offended seeing this tutmosis said they have told me lord that sarah has lost thy favor do not mention that jewess to me replied rameses but dost thou know what she did with my son i know but that it seems to me was not her fault i heard in memphis that thy worthy mother and the worthy minister herhor made thy son a jew so that he might rule over israelites some time but the israelites have no king only priests and judges interrupted the prince they have not but they wish to have they too are disgusted with priestly rule the heir waved his hand contemptuously a charioteer of his holiness means more than any king especially any king of the israelites who as yet have no kingdom in every case sarah's fault is not so great put in tutmosis then know that i will pay the priests some time they are not to blame so greatly for instance the worthy herhor did this to increase the glory and power of thy dynasty and he did it with the knowledge of thy mother but why does mefres interfere 
his single duty is to care for the temple, not influence the fate of the pharaoh's descendants. Mefres is an old man, growing whimsical. The whole court of his holiness jeers at him because of practices of which I know nothing, though I see the holy man almost daily. This is curious. What does he do? A number of times during twenty-four hours he performs solemn services in the most secret parts of the temple, and he commands the priest to see if the gods do not hold him suspended while praying. Ha, 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 laughed Ramesses, and all this is going on in Pibast here under our eyes, and I do not know of it? A priestly secret. A secret of which all in Memphis are talking. Ha, ha, ha. In the amphitheatre I saw a Chaldean suspended in the air. I saw him too, but that was a trick. While Mephris wishes to be born above the earth, really, on the wings of his devotion. Unheard of buffoonery! What do the other priests say to this? Perhaps in our sacred papyruses there is mention that in old times there were prophets among us who had the gift of suspending themselves in the air. So the desires of Mephris do not astonish priests nowadays and since as is known to thee subordinates among us see whatever pleases superiors some holy men claim that during prayer mephris really rises a couple of fingers high above the pavement ha 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 and with this great secret the whole court is occupied and we like laborers or earth diggers do not even suspect that miracles are wrought at one side of us a wretched fate to be heir to the throne of egypt laughed the viceroy when he grew calm at the repeated request of Tutmosis, he commanded to transfer Sarah from the servant's house to Kama's first villa. The servants were delighted at this change. All the serving and slave women, and even the scribes, conducted Sarah to her new dwelling, with music and shouts of pleasure. The Phoenician woman, when she heard the uproar, asked the reason, and when they told her that Sarah had been restored to the favor of the prince, and that from the servant's house she had been transferred to the villa, the enraged ex-priestess sent for Ramesses. The prince came. "'Dost thou treat me in this way?' screamed she, losing control of her temper. "'Thou didst promise that I should be thy first woman, but before the moon traversed half the heavens thy promise was broken. Perhaps thou thinkest that the vengeance of Astaroth will fall on the priestess alone, and not reach the princes.' tell thy astaroth replied rameses calmly not to threaten princes or she may go herself to the servant's house i understand exclaimed kama i shall go to the servant's house perhaps even to prison while thou wilt spend nights with thy jewess because i have left the gods for thee i have drawn down a curse on my own head because i left them i know no rest for a moment i have lost my youth for thee my life my soul even and this is the pay which thou givest me the prince confessed in his heart that kama had sacrificed much for him and he felt compunction i have not been and shall not be with sarah said he but does it harm thee that the ill-fated woman has some comfort and can nourish her child unmolested kama trembled she raised her clenched fist her hair stirred and in her eyes an ugly fire of hate was flashing. Is this the answer which thou givest me? The Jewess is unhappy, because thou didst drive her from the villa, and I must be satisfied, though the gods have driven me out of their temples. But my soul, the soul of a priestess who is drowning in tears and in terror, 
does not mean more for thee than that brat of the jew woman this child which would he were dead may he silence cried the prince shutting her mouth she drew back frightened then may i not even complain of my wretchedness inquired she but if thou art so careful of that child why steal me from the temple why promise that i should be first in thy household have a care continued she raising her voice again that egypt after learning my fate may not call thee a faith-breaker the prince turned his head and laughed but he sat down and said my teacher was right indeed when he warned me against women ye are like ripe peaches in the eyes of a man whose tongue thirst has parched but peaches ripe only in appearance woe to the fool who dares bite that fruit of fair seeming instead of cooling sweetness he will find a nest of wasps that will sting not his lips alone but his heart also wilt thou complain wilt thou not spare me even this shame after i have sacrificed to thee both my dignity of priestess and my virtue the heir shook his head and smiled never could i have thought said he after a while that the story told by laborers before bedtime would have come true but to-day i see the truth of it listen to me kama perhaps thou wilt stop and not force me to withdraw the good will which i have for thee he wishes now to tell a fable said the princess bitterly thou hast told me one already and i was profited by hearing it this will profit thee if thou understand it will there be anything about jewish brats in it of priestesses there will be only listen carefully the following thing happened here long ago in Pibast, a true story once prince satni on the square before the temple of ta saw a very beautiful woman she surpassed all whom he had met before and what was more noteworthy she had much gold on her person she pleased the prince greatly and when he learned that she was the daughter of the high priest he sent his equerry to her with the following offer i will give thee three gold rings if thou wilt pass one short hour in my company the equerry went to the beautiful tubui and repeated the words of prince satni when she had listened to him politely she answered as became a well-bred young lady i am the daughter of a high priest i am innocent no low girl so if the prince wishes to have the pleasure of knowing me let him come to my house where everything will be ready and where acquaintance with him will not expose me to the scandal of all the street gossips prince satney went to tibui's chambers the walls of which were covered with lapis lazuli and pale green enamel there were also many couches decked with regal linen and not a few one-legged tables on which gold goblets were standing one of these goblets was filled with wine and given to the prince while tibui said to him be gracious and drink to this the prince answered thou knowest that i have not come to drink wine here still the two sat down at the feast during which tibui wore a long heavy robe fastened at her neck closely when the prince excited by wine wished to kiss her she repelled him and answered this house will be thine but remember that i am no street woman but an innocent maiden if thou wish for me obedience swear faith and convey me to thy property let the scribe come cried the prince 
When they brought in the scribe, Satni commanded him to write an act of betrothal, also a deed by which he transferred to Tbubui all his money and all his property, personal and real. An hour later the servants announced to the prince that his children were waiting in the lower story. Tabui left him then, but returned soon, attired in a transparent gauze robe. Satni wished again to embrace her, but she repelled him a second time, saying, This house will be thine, but since I am no common woman, but an innocent maiden, if thou wish to possess me, let thy children renounce every claim, lest they raise lawsuits hereafter with my children. Satni called up his children, and commanded them to sign an act, renouncing all claim to his possessions. They did so, but when, roused by long resistance, he approached Tabui, she repelled him, saying, This house will be thine, but I am no chance passing woman, I am a pure maiden. If thou love me, give consent to kill those children, lest they take property from my children. This is rather a long story, said Kama impatiently. It will end right away, and dost thou know, Kama, what Satni replied to this? If thou wish, let the crime be accomplished. Tabui gave no chance to have those words said a second time. Before their father's eyes she commanded to kill the children, and throw their bloody limbs to dogs and cats outside the windows. Only after that did Satni enter her chamber and repose on her bed inlaid with ivory. Tabui did well not to trust a man's promises, said the irritated Kama. But Satni, said the heir, did better. He woke, for his dreadful crime was a dream only. And remember this, Kama, the surest way to rouse a man from love's intoxication is to curse his son. Be at rest, lord, said Kama gloomily. I will never mention hereafter thy son or my sorrow. And I will not withdraw my favor from thee, and thou wilt be happy said Ramesses in conclusion. End of chapter 39 Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah